Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck. I just shot a freaking big buck. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. Look at the size of that deer. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Man, I'm jacked up. It is officially deer season has been over. Uh, and small game hunting and all that stuff has begun 2024. Uh, yeah, Lincoln Ron, who uh, uh, owns Packer Max and I think 5-2 Outdoors Seed Company, he uh, got on some coyotes on some properties last night that uh, I helped him get some access to. And, man, he was all pumped up. And it's officially here. I mean, deer season is over. Guys can start coyote hunting more. You know, we're rabbit hunting tomorrow uh, morning gonna get after it pretty good me and tyler and a couple buddies and uh man i'm jacked i mean it's 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 one of those bittersweet moments like deer season's been done you know and it depends on the year you had how you feel right now but i feel good i got some target bucks that have slipped through the cracks and uh seem to be still alive um even though one of the bucks that was a buck that my brother and i was kind of hunting you know ended up finding him uh he didn't make it um but you know there's still a few other ones out there so, you know, got some good stuff to look forward to. I was a little worried there for a little bit, you know. It's not as much as some years, but, you know, it's always it's always kind of refreshing to be like, you open your app for your cell cans or pull an SD card and you look and you're like, ooh, it's January or end of December and I got a nice buck on here. He's going to see what he can, you know, turn into. Kind of the, the funness of that is in full swing now. And then they'll start dropping and we can start going after some sheds. So something that we really enjoy over here at the Roosevelt household. So, but no, man. I'm pumped. Small game season's here. I mean, like I said, we can start hitting it pretty hard on some of our private properties that we wait till after deer season's done. You know, we could have went last weekend, but, you know, kind of chose to maybe get after the deer a little bit, and the weather wasn't really the greatest. Some football was on. Go blue. Woo! I mean, dude, that game against Alabama, man, it doesn't get much better than that college football. I mean, the last two games Michigan played against Ohio State and Alabama is just like, yeah, it's been a while since I felt that way watching some football. So it's good to see that. The game, uh, yeah, got the championship game coming up in a couple of days too. So definitely looking forward to that. I'm sure I got some Michigan State fans that aren't too happy about that. But, you know, hey, you enjoy it while you can, right? But, no, let's kind of – this episode is uh, with Drew Hassler. Uh, he's been on a couple times. You know, he's kind of done a season update with me, and he went to Illinois with me. So he, I think this might be his – you know, he's he's been here a handful of times. He's pretty much a pro at, at this point. But – we wanted to kind of go through his uh, his fall because last time we talked, he was kind of he was getting after a buck in Michigan. So we kind of dive into that story, um, and then he filled a couple tags. You know, got some first. I mean, he shot his first public land out of state uh, buck this year. It might have been his first buck out of a saddle too. I don't think we really talked about that. I don't know. He might have shot a doe or something, but no, they might have been one of his first bucks. I know he's kind of 
you know, he's had a lease for a long time, so they always have a lot of presets. So he doesn't, you know, he will hang and hunt occasionally on that, but, you know, for the most part, they got it pretty dialed. And I think if you uh, listen to this episode and hear how he talks about, you know, learning where a buck is and how he like kind of sets up his trail cameras for success. I mean, he kind of talked about trying, you know, making a triangle with his cameras kind of focused on betting so he can kind of learn to see how a deer likes to use the property. Um, and that's one of the things I got to kind of remind myself just because one year properties used one way or one buck uses a property that way. That doesn't always mean that every year that's going to be the same. So I do like, you know, so I like interviewing guys and talking and hearing how guys, you know, get after deer because you always catch little things like oh i've never really done it that way so he uh he had a really good fall you know he like i said he let some arrows loose he learned some things and it's just an overall good episode about that he um it's kind of cool because he's got you know he doesn't have a very big property but you know he's keeps in contact with neighbors and you know sometimes neighbors shoot the deer and that happened to him this year so he kind of got to deal with that and go through that but no, it was, a, it was always a pleasure. You know, he's he's a close friend of mine now, you know, through Mason and, uh, you know, this kind of network of people you know. And sometimes you just – it's just one of those things you can tell we hadn't talked to him a little bit in this episode. So we kind of got to – he got to fill me in on his – he did end up getting a late season uh, buck with his bow. So it was kind of cool to talk about that. But, yeah, it was a – overall it was a good episode. And, uh, yeah, I think for current events, kind of like I said, pump that small game season's here. We're going to be uh, getting after that tomorrow. Hopefully, kind of get the dogs kind of in shape. I don't know how much uh, shooting is going to go on because we, like I, I think I've said before, we usually let the dogs kind of run and see how they're feeling. We have no snow, so, I mean, we'll see how that goes. And uh, I'm sure we'll do probably a podcast about it here in the next couple of weeks. Kind of Maybe we'll kind of recap a couple of weeks together and see, kind of like do a, like a rabbit season update. But, uh, no, I do want to kind of drop a little thing here. My uh, So if you've heard, like, I do construction. I've been in construction for a while. Um, my dad actually owns a construction company, and that is uh, RLR Construction. So RLR Construction. And he, um, you know, we mostly do, he mostly does, you know, new construction. And that's like custom homes. Uh, we do residential stuff, framing, uh, and exterior siding. So I just kind of want to drop a little thing in there for them, for him. He's, uh, you know, always open to, you know, hiring a guy or a crew of guys that maybe have been doing this in the West Michigan area, uh, looking for a little change of pace maybe, or want to, or any young guys that may want to get into learning how to do some of this construction thing. Um, if anyone's interested in that, you know, feel free to uh, drop me an email. Uh, currently the email, the best get a hold of me is Nate r7 at gmail.com so if you or anyone you know is in the maybe someone that's been a carpenter for a while but wants to you know kind of dip their toes in something different or you know or if there's a crew of guys out there that are kind of wanting to you know maybe do some custom home things and get into that yeah feel free to email me once again that's nate r7 at gmail.com and i just want to do a little plug for my shop you know michigan wild shop that's uh something that is just a way that i can you know maybe get a little little something back everything that's sold on there i get a percentage of the sales um full disclosure in that but i kind of made like a little a little shop of some things i've liked going through the products i haven't been through all the products on there there's a lot of them but uh, that's you can find that at michiganwild.hollercommerce.com and if you guys go on there maybe i actually do think if until the end of january they keep kind of 
uh, extending the discount code. So you can use 10 off to save 10% on select products until the end of January. So yeah, if you guys are, you know, maybe went through your deer season, you're like, oh, I really want to upgrade this or have some Christmas money laying around. You know, if you'd go on that website and take a peek and see what's out there and maybe find that little, little gadget you might want added to your mobile setup or even the full saddle kits, uh, climbing sticks. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff on there. There's a sweet backpack that's on there, but it's been out of stock for a while. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool things. So, if you don't mind giving that a look, that'd be awesome. But, yeah, enjoy this episode, guys. Have a great week. Hopefully, 2024 is starting out good for everyone. And, yeah, I look forward to uh, giving you guys some updates on my uh, my rabbit season. But, yeah, thanks thanks again for all the support. And, uh, yeah, enjoy this episode of Drew Hassler. All right, welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. I have returning guest Drew Hasler in for the night. He uh, is once again on Michigan Wild, and uh, I couldn't find anyone else for this episode, so I had to settle for you, Drew. Yeah, what's that supposed to mean, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm just messing. You know I'll that. Take You've it, had a, you'll take it. Yep, yeah. that's what good buddies are for. You know, you got to gotta be there for when a guy's yeah. down, right? Been a little dry on the podcast streak, so I, you know, I gotta freshen things up a little bit. Yeah, dude, I gotta keep you. I gotta keep you good, you know. Cause when I call on you, you gotta yeah. be ready. You're ready to rip. But no, we, uh, you've killed a couple things, so we're gonna kind of get into that. I mean, yep. you were the lone successful Illinois bow camp killer, so mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna dive into that story. And then you kind of had an exciting fall here in Michigan too. Uh, drew blood and kind of one of the coolest it's got to be the coolest snapchat i got this year of what you sent me <laughs> from a setting yeah. and knowing where you were that was pretty sweet so we'll definitely dive into that but um kind of uh i guess we can kind of just dive right into our illinois thing i mean if you guys want to know a little more about our backstory for like us hunting illinois we did a couple podcast on that earlier this year we had a lease and then we ended up going down because we had like a predetermined time we wanted to hunt and we get there, and it was pretty much the worst conditions for our lease. Yep. It kind of what you expect for the uh, the out-of-state hunting. <laughs> it seems like every year, it's like you can never hit it right unless you go for more than a week. <laughs> yep. So, you know, it was unfortunate. But we we managed to clip a little bit of decent weather at the start of the week. Um, and obviously, that's where we found success. But, but man, So, I want to ask pretty- you about that because – we definitely did not hunt in ideal conditions. Uh, I mean, it was over 70 for like, what, six straight days, maybe five straight days. And yeah. we were right in the middle of it. Um, and like lows in the 50s, like yeah. almost 60 some nights. So it was it was warm to say the least. But I kind of feel like to our, the, the one thing that that did help with was not as many people were hunting because right. of that. So we did take advantage I think looking back, like as I look back on it and like reflect on like that hunt, I feel like that actually helped us. And I think it really helped the spot you end up shooting a buck was because I'm fairly confident we're the only people to step foot on that property maybe the whole year. I don't know. It looked like no one had been in there at all. Was, that yeah. Yeah. And was, that was and the case in a couple spots. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things, very little human sign, a lot of deer sign. Yes. You know, and but and then was, you know Mason, he's got another story. Like he he 
once we kind of learned where we wanted to be and where deer were, you know, day three or four, he kind of found a section that was similar set up and he went there. And then of course that was later into the week and, uh, you know, more hunters were around and he dealt with that. Ended up talking to like, I think the guy was kind of local and he mm-hmm. said, yeah, you guys should have been here a week earlier because we were seeing these deer, this deer got shot, that deer got shot. So locals kind of all knew about that area and they kind of swooped in there last week of October and, you know, shot a couple of right. like I'm talking like, Mason, the way he explained it, the pictures he saw, he's like, dude, like 150 inch deer, you know, 140, you know, big looking deer. So like they kind of, you know, got the locals knew about that and they took advantage of that. So we kind of had to find the spots that locals didn't really like maybe or second Mm -hmm. pickings. I'm not really sure, but we ended up, we ended up doing pretty good on that. But I think uh, think, there was something to that, like the bad weather taking advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And there was something to the, you know, the pressure. I think the time of pressure in correlation to the Illinois gun season, um, at least talking to the processor when I picked my deer up before I headed home, you know, he was like, if you, I mean, you guys got here that, that tail end of that second week in November, the week before the shotgun season, that's when everybody comes. They, they said they'll, they'll be lined up and down the road, parking their campers on the side of the road, just setting up stands, getting a few less bow hunts in things like that. And I mean, we definitely saw that. We saw the pressure just uptick substantially the last couple of days of our hunt. Yep. So our approach was lease is going to be terrible because of the south winds. Like that's the one terrible wind for getting in there. And we also, mm-hmm. our trail cameras reflected, you know, minimal daylight movement. We still had some nice bucks in the middle of the night, but was that what well, you got there early? Did like a little, little hanging hunt, like kind of like observation set and kind of confirmed what we were afraid of with that. Yep. And then we kind of just went right into like scouting, like mm-hmm. mad. Well, like we I kind know. of were like, we're not hunting until we find something good. Yeah. And cause I showed up there that Thursday before our week, our week there. And I hunted that Thursday evening, you know, like you said, just an observation set, but I want to say everybody showed up. I hunted the full day that next day, but everybody showed up Friday night. And I want to say Saturday, we spent all of us, you know, we split up in teams and spent the entire day scouting and even some Sunday. And that worked really good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, we I, had were, to, uh, I have to mention that it was uh, definitely a team effort for, yes. uh, for me to kill that buck. But, you know, going into it with a group of guys, you kind of got to do that you really want to cover ground i mean there's no yeah. other way to do it i mean if you're one guy trying to to find a good spot it's a lot harder when you got seven you know it's a lot easier when you got seven guys yeah because that's you know, yeah, is that how many guys we had six or seven yeah i get my number but we we divided we had we had two groups kind of mm-hmm. and i remember like we just were like pulling up onyx and just looking everywhere and I was with uh, your brother and then Mason's dad and we started hitting spots and we like found two or three really good spots right away on this one kind of section. And then that was kind of like an area that your brother liked. So he really wanted to key in on those areas and we didn't even have to get out of the truck. And it was like, okay, that's probably, if you follow this ridge system down, you should hit something really good. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was, we had that going and then it was like, okay, let's keep driving around, you know, kind of kept making our loop a little bigger and happened to just like 
like was just scrolling through onyx and like picking all these pieces apart you know like when you're kind of looking at home you're like really zoomed out so then mm-hmm. you always like see the big chunk and then you zoom in on the big chunk and you kind of start breaking that down well this area we were in i never had looked on onyx at all because we were gonna we end up switching spots with our airbnb so like i was kind of focused mm-hmm. elsewhere and then so as i'm just riding in the truck because mason's dad's driving i'm just like scrolling through looking i was like hold on we need to go find this piece over here and uh it was just it wasn't very big but it was kind of secluded it was mm-hmm. you know the access was a little like one of those spots where you had to really pay attention for the access and i was like i think that's crp and uh like grassy which is which can be really good like i think everyone at this point in time maybe if you're you know maybe if you're a little newer but if you listen to any kind of content guys talk about you know warm season grasses and you know mm-hmm. Switchgrass, if you're doing like your own private property, like deer like that side cover. And it's, you know, if you watch anything in Kansas or anything like that, guys, there's always bucks in the CRP, especially during the rut. So I like saw that and I was like, okay, I was really intrigued because that was like the only piece that had any of that sort of look to it out of thousands of acres. It was like the only varying terrain. Like, there was, you know, I think that's something we tried to do too when we split up was just trying to find different types of terrain and, you know, because it's all it was all kind of the same down there. I mean, any any bigger timber pocket you got into was super ridgy and and stuff like that. But we never really found anything like that. Yeah, no hard line transitions. Like we no. tried to use water, you know, or like creek bottom. Like the only transitions we really had was like a drainage, or like moving mm-hmm. water like in a creek or something. And then all of a sudden, it was like this property had that. We're like, oh man, like we need to focus on that. So mm-hmm. we locked down access, made sure it was good, and then we we walked in. Me, your brother, and Mason's dad. And it was a decent walk back in there. Nothing crazy, but I remember as I walked in there, I was, as we're walking in, I was like, oh man, like no one's been in here because like this is the mm-hmm. only way to get into it. Like there's no tracks, there's nothing, uh, and there's just rubs and scrapes and like trails and like you're like, oh man. And we got in there and it was exactly what you wanted to see. Like it was, yep. it was good. It was thick. It was na- great bunny hunting. Like it would have been mm-hmm. like in Michigan, yeah. I'd be running my beagles over there all the time. Yeah. Kind oh, of yeah. Thing. Yep. And uh, I remember we kind of like looked at the map. So then it's like this gamble. You're like, okay, how much are we going to scout this opposed to just like, like that's the battle I always have, like a new property. It's like, how far in do I go? We don't have our bows. Like we're just, Cause we were just gassing and, you know, going and quick yep. popping in our spots. So there was, we were not under the illusion of trying to shoot a deer. So it's like, okay, I don't want to like go in too far, but also we need to know if this is an area that we can hunt more than one guy. Like, cause like you said, this is like a team effort. Mm-hmm. Like we, the whole time we were all like, let's get, we don't care who gets on deer. We're just going to try to have a good game plan for everyone. Right. So I never like with, we were all like sneaking in here and we're like, I was like, I think if we get over there, we can like see kind of because you know everything's rolling hills over there. There's nothing really too super flat, but uh, I never coming through that, and it's all this nasty stuff, you know, head high. That was the, trying to grab you. <laughs> yeah, and I I'm used to some nasty CRP here on my our lease in town, um, but man, that was just briar filled over your head, nastiest you know potholes everywhere, drainages everywhere. That's some of the nastiest CRP I've been in. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. But we, we kind of picked our way through very minimally and got to a point. Yep. And it was like, I got up on there and we could see. And we were all like, oh, yeah. Like, this is this dictates some attention. 
And that yep. wasn't because we seen any giant rubs or anything. We just, we, there was deer tracks, there was little mini rubs and it was like, okay, deer gotta be in here. So then that was like one side of the property. And then we kind of did a little loop, a little mini loop and, you know, looked and I was like, okay. And the map I was like, okay, we could easily hunt two guys here. And, um, I never, you know, after this whole scouting thing and everything's done the next, you know, we're trying to game plan. And I was like, I'm hunting that property. Like, I don't, I don't care if five of you want to hunt it with me. I don't care who does, but like, I'm for sure hunting here because I just have a good feeling. It's what I like. Like I, like I always say, like, I have to be like very confident in an area for me to go set up because after that on that property, it took me a long time to find the spot I liked, like kind of a thing. Like right. I walked miles before I was like, yep, I'm ready to get in a tree. So I think and you guys walked quite a bit too that day and crossed yep. off a bunch of stuff and also did find some things you kind of liked but yeah we, we kind of all got back you can go for it but i was gonna say we were more particular to to ridges and like you know working saddles or like heads of ridges if we're trying to find some bedding or you know anything in that that more open timber you know type terrain and we found some good stuff but nothing near as you know where we killed or saw deer is <laughs> they stood out like a sore it's thumb. obvious I mean, yeah it was obvious yeah that's a great point because when you're going out of you're going out of state especially the spot you've never scouted or have any experience in you always question like what you walk by mm-hmm. or what you should hunt and like when we i think like where like you said when we found deer it was like okay this is where they are it makes sense like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to sit the spot that, you know, is the same as everything around me and hope for a deer to come by. I was like, we got to find that thing that, like, sets it apart and hunt off that. Right. And, yeah, I mean, shoot, you scouted the one day and you snuck right up on a uh, Like, that was one of those spots where I was like, I yeah. drove there one night and I was like, I think that looks good. Like, I saw a deer on the road. Yep. You go back in there the next day and you, like, there's deer all over. And I was like, why didn't I just hunt that that night? Yep. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, I we missed it by an within- hour, but within bow range of a you know two two-year-old yeah so pretty cool but that was like a very defined difference though like that was like you digital scouted it and then you can drive by and see it from the road it was like very obvious hey this is something that's different than the majority of what's around it needs it needs attention so that's and a that was point. that was a, a you know an old pine planting that had grown in and there was a nice transition like where the drainage was there was a nice transition to oaks and that's exactly where all those deer were. I mean, then you got down to the bottom of that drainage and there was just like bad, bad, bad rubs, grape, like everywhere. It was littered, but yeah, wish, I don't think, and I don't think we ended up sooner. even hunting that. I think my brother maybe hunted that once in the morning and that was, that was it. Um, so we never, that really never got too much attention, but it could have yeah, been. We found it too late. That's why, yep, but you know, exactly. that was one of those things we just kept, we never really, we kept looking the whole time. We never really settled. So right but all right so let's roll into the the hunt the we hunted it the first evening we hunted that property and that was and, that saturday evening right yep saturday i believe yep, yep. so that would been my first sit um in illinois and i never mean you went together you were like i was like hey man like you hunt this kind of stuff at home it sets up probably exactly how you would think it would so yep. you just like off the map and off of me saying hey like there's these little like drainages that come off on this one side. Like there's that one or there's this one. What do you, what do you feel? And you're like, I really like this. Cause it reminded you of 
another spotter. Like, I think it sets up really good for that. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, that's cool. I'm going to go on the other side of that and uh, just kind of get up high on the elevation. I think I could see down into the other thing that's similar. Yep. So, like, we felt really good about, like, that. And then um, I remember walking in there with you, and you just kept looking at me like, dude. And I was like, yeah, there's, like, <laughs> yeah. there's deer tracks all over. There's yeah. deer here. Like, yep. we might this might be good. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, when we kind of got to this point, we had to split off. I never just given you I was like, hey, dude, I don't know how you're going to get in there. It's nasty. But, like, have fun. Like, kinda... And that's, yeah, yeah, have fun is right. I mean, that kind of, it, it was a good note to take my, my, the first trip into there is just trying to think into the future and think about how you're going to access that property again if you do hunt it again. Because that really paid off for me the next day. Yep. Um, getting in there quietly and you know, not too intrusive, but being able to figure out a good route into there. Cause that, like we said before, that CRP was so nasty. I mean, you couldn't, you would think, you know, being tall grass, you just walk right through the middle of it and go right to that, to that drainage that you wanted to hunt. But it was, it was that thick. You had to find a a route into the open woods and then take that in, you know, down into the drainage and back up again. So I learned that the hard way. The first No straight line in there. But, you know, good thing we got in there fairly early too because i think it so was now, like, like what were you seeing so i guess kind of like i think this is pretty important like you're going in blind and um what were you kind of seeing like what made you be like okay i'm going to set up here what was kind of like your game plan i guess because like right. you're, we were very conscious of the wind that day like that was another mm-hmm. big thing we had the wind in our favor from like accessing and not blowing stuff out in front of us um, right. But like when you're walking in there, what made you be like, yep, that's the tree I need to be in? Well, you know, the only way, it, you know, it worked out pretty good. Because the only way to, to actually get to that spot was was using deer trails. I mean, that CRP was so tall, you could pretty easily, I mean, the deer trails are pretty easily defined. So following those up, I picked a spot initially at the head of that drainage. You know, we had talked about it before. It was kind of pines to oaks and you know, your usual transition. And then it kind of just saw all that CRP kind of just funneled down into this drainage. So I just made it a point to get to that, the head of that drainage. And within 50 yards of the head of that drainage, there was, it was like bed here, bed there, bed there. I probably found like 10 beds at the head of that drainage. Um, And that drainage kind of filtered off to the, to the West or to the East we were playing with a southwest wind that night i think mm-hmm. um so i was like i couldn't get i didn't want to get too far i kind of want to be on the top side of that drainage to blow it back out in the crp um but hindsight i would have killed a buck that night if i would have been a little you know a little bit farther south so and like we're talking um, like 20 yards 20 yards yeah 20 yards difference that's how close that's i had a, it's so I had frustrating at, sometimes yeah. but geez 52 yards for like probably a half hour, 45 minutes. I mean, yeah. you just well, wouldn't budge. But. Good because that's what you're, I think guys who are, you know, have been mobile hunting and doing this hanging hunt thing for a while successfully, they know what's going through because you're like, you think the wind's doing one thing. So you're like either driving milkweed or it's windy enough. You can feel yeah. it. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I've never been here. Like 20 yards can make or break that. Like if you go too far, you're jumping those deer mm-hmm. that are 60 yards away, opposed to being 80 yards away if they're bedded. 
you got all this terrain behind you or where your downwind could be that deer could be you know in that you don't know because you've never walked it like you kind of just got to let go with your gut yeah and yeah you uh you <laughs> i remember you were pretty worked out that was a great buck that you had by you but you had them yeah. they worked by and like you said if you would have been on the other side of that if you were in the chips yep. you know but well, but you know, for all I mean, you know, one of those does could have been laying just on the other side of that, and you sneak through there twenty more yards. It, the whole party's done yeah. anyway. And, and that's exactly it. I, you know, and I actually snuck through there. Like, if you can imagine that being a bull, you know, at the start of that drainage, and I came in from the south, and I actually got more on the north side because it started rising. You know, that it started going back up, elevation yep. started climbing back up into that CRP. So my thought was to blow it back out into the tall grass and if i would have been on the south side of it i would have been blowing it down into down in the bottom that mm-hmm. you know essentially anything could have been bedded down there or something could get behind me and, and catch me as they're coming through you know if it's a doe and there's a buck you know yeah. following or, or whatnot so well, um, and you got the night where you know like you i remember you saying this you're like i wanted to be here because of the thermal started pulling down which mm-hmm. you had known from the first few days you hunted there like there was a good thermal pull at night and mm-hmm. you were like, yeah, I'm really worried that I'm going to just, no matter what, it's just going to suck down in there. And that yeah. last 45 minutes, you know, makes or breaks it. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, looking back on it and knowing where you were, like, I'm pretty confident that's probably where I would have stopped to somewhere in that because yep. of what you were saying and what you were seeing, like mm-hmm. that just made sense. And unfortunately, <laughs> we didn't walk the whole place. Like I ended up walking it later and I was like, ah, I know why that happened. And if we would have known yep. that you would have been like, yeah, I don't care about that. I would just went right to your, your first spot you wanted to be, but well, that's kind of the yep. game you play, you know, until you learn yep. the area. Absolutely. So, but you ended and, up uh, seeing, yeah, you saw like, was it just, was that the only buck you saw that night or did you see more than one? That was the only buck I saw, but there was a uh, think four does that night, which was, promising for the deer we've seen the days before i mean it was we struggled to even find deer yes um at the start of our trip but um no what's what's great about that spot though that i I did choose is it was the absolute most perfect saddle tree i mean it's like like two nice trunks you can hang your backpack on one platform on the other you know my bow was perfect like everything couldn't have been better it's the super comfortable tree um so it was it was a pretty slow hunt to start and i think it was for you too i mean you ended up yeah. seeing a couple deer that Just night a couple but, deer running in the crp yeah that was and you might have and you might have caught the deer that i saw yes. you know using the top side of that ridge because it seemed to be coming up and over kind yeah. of using that bench to you know come from one drainage to the other yep i was too i did this i did something very similar to you I wanted to be in one spot and then was like, I have zero visual. So like, I don't want to like pigeonhole myself first day in a new spot. So then I was like, I'm going to gain some elevation. And then I chickened out because of that thermal pull and not knowing what the deer were going to do. Um, you know, kind of, and then I guess it wasn't like super chicken, but I was like, I should be, you know, 75 yards over there, but you're like standing in thick stuff. You're like, okay, there's a scrape. I walked by one scrape. I walked by two scrapes. I walked by, there's old rubs, there's this, and there's deer trails. It's like, man, I don't want to like go in so hard that I'm going to screw it up. But if I would have probably went in harder, at least I would have been able to see, you know, more what the deer like to do on that property. I, I kind of was just off like 50 yards. Now, I don't think I would have necessarily got a shot at the same deer or whatever, but 
you know, I was mm-hmm. like, man, I all like after like learning that for a few days, you're like, okay, you get a feel for an area. You're like, okay, I need to, this is sign you need to stay at. This is terrain you need to focus on. Like the first few days we were just like throwing stuff at the, throwing a dart at the wall, yep. hoping it hit something, you know? Right. But I, you know, I did see a couple does milling around and then I, um, so like what I saw, I was like, okay. And then hearing you, like you were seeing the deer over there. I was fairly confident anything that was like over there, like that you got that covered. So I'm like, I'm going to dive mm-hmm. in the morning in the other spot because like, I feel like I saw, that's where I saw deer go and like looked good on the map. And you mm-hmm. were like, stuff staying in the tree. I'm back <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was, it was tough to see deer in that spot, you know, cause this, this CRP was so tall. So they wouldn't, you know, by the time they were almost in range by the time I could actually see them. And I was looking into a wide open field. Like that's how tall this stuff was. But, but yeah, this this nice eight followed. Uh, he was eight or nine. He followed this uh, that group of does. You know, kind of they worked in straight west of me. Came right into. I think the closest I had him was probably within forty, but I had no shot. And then kind of worked his his way back out to my southwest. And he stood there for us. I mean, I got a pretty good video of it. You saw it. Um, but he stood there for ever. Got into a Snort, you know, and I I'd used the calling game pretty heavily that night too. I mean, we got into a little snort wheeze battle. He was grunting, he was pissed off, but he just didn't want to get away from that doe. And nope. if you had a decoy you know, by your base of your tree, you probably could have yeah, got him to come in. Right, but. right. <laughs> and you know, I I debated, you know, when, once it got dark, I debated moving because I did find a, another tree. I did, you know, scout out other trees while I was in there. Um, and there was a tree that would have been a 30 yard shot when me and my brother ended up sitting in a, a couple of days later, but I debated just taking my stuff down and, and moving it to that tree. Cause it may be a better morning setup, but you know, I think you really have to take into account like, Hey, I saw deer. I'm going to see deer probably here again tomorrow. I should just, you know, as little noise. Little, you know as little time as i can take to get out of here that's that's probably the best best chance so that's what i did left all the all my shit in the tree and we uh we talked about next day's game plan and i didn't take long no you did <laughs> not we and we were i mean we were both feeling really good the next morning yeah. like it was it was kind of like if i remember right the weather was getting worse like from a heat heat index like we kind of knew so we we're like yeah. okay this is our like next like our only cool morning until like Thursday or Friday. So yeah, and we it was like, it was close to forties. I mean, it was substantially colder than it was going to be uh, yeah. in the following morning. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that was definitely our best shot going into there. Yeah. Then I go into a spot. You know, I had re I had taken everything down, and I'm walking in, and I'm going in the dark, and I end up like getting set up and as it's getting light i'm like oh my gosh i picked like the perfect tree like it was so like it was one it was probably one of the prettiest um sets i've had in a long time and it's like there's a scrape there's a scrape there's a scrape and i had seen like rubs as i was walking in that's why i stopped because i got to a point where the elevation kind of was and like a good little little funnel terrain feature and i'm like sitting there like oh man i'm like i picked this great like i'm i'm feeling really confident we know deer in the area and you were like, I can't, I feel like we were, you called your shot that morning and I don't, oh, mm-hmm. cause you didn't have your boots or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I forgot, yeah. my, 
I forgot my hunting boots at the at the cabin, and I was wearing my extra tufts, my little ankle rubber nope. boots. <laughs> I uh, I think I mentioned to you. I said this is usually when I kill something. It's you know when I forget when I forget my boots, I forget something you know that I need. It's an uncomfortable sit in the saddle with extra tufts. Let me tell you, but you don't want support there. with those. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't in there for long, so. Yeah, but you yeah. were like, you called me, like, I'm shooting one this morning because I don't have that. I was like, dude, I'll, let's do it. Like, sweet. Yep. But yeah, kind of break us. So my morning was a dud. I didn't see a thing. Um, you, on the other hand, you got, like, I you I think, you, did you call me? or You know, you texted me. All I got was this text that came through, like, buck down or something. And yep. I was like, oh, my yep. gosh, man, are you kidding me? So kind of walk us through what happened for you in that morning. Well, so, yeah, I, uh so like I mentioned before, I, I paid really close attention to access the night before. And I wouldn't say I paid close enough attention because I was more focused on getting the spot the day before. But I tried to use that fence line um, that kind of separated the CRP and the private. I, I tried to use that fence line to access the woods to get in. I got about 10 feet into there and just got swallowed in briars. So I backed out of there and actually ended up using the same trail I took into there. but found a little bit better route uh that morning and kind of snuck into the woods and once you got in the woods off that crp was pretty open like a lot of the woods down there and um i was in there extremely stealthily i mean it was like once i got into that grass i was like i am total ninja mode right now (laughs) like all my stuff was in the tree it was just one of those mornings where you just feel extremely good about the situation and i got in the tree I mean, it was early. I sat in the dark for, or we sat in the dark for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may have had a different story, but I was there. I was there in plenty of time. And yeah, uh, that you probably got to your tree the time I got to my tree or found my tree because I had to walk, mm-hmm. you know, quietly. But I, I think I got. I mean, I'm not the fastest dude setting up, but like I got set up and bowed ready to rip, and I had like 15 or 20 minutes before daylight. So you probably are sitting for like 40, (laughs) maybe 45. Yeah. Yeah, You got a good. It was, it was, it was dark 30, but, uh, but no, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Kind of in those situations that only, only works in your favor to get in there early and and, and be ready. Um, and I knew it was kind of, you know, leaving my stuff in the tree, being at the, the top of that drainage, I, it was a 50, 50 chance, you know, if something, good was going to happen because if your thermal you know when your thermals are still pulling in the morning early in the morning like man i could really get busted here with something being you know down in the bedding or or whatnot or coming out of the bottom but no it actually worked out that buck um ended up shooting ended up coming on the same line as the buck the night before and just happened to be 20 yards closer um but he was I didn't even, I was kind of, I was turned around in my saddle. So I had, I had my, my bridge like over my back shoulder, looking down into that bottom. I did yep. hear some, some movement down there. And I heard like one twig snap, like literally the most faint snap. It's like, that sounds like footprint. <laughs> and sure enough, I spin around and he's at like 50 yards. Just on a Damn. beeline for me. And he was just calm as could be. I had no idea I was there. I was able to grab my bow and and I didn't think 
honestly, I thought it was going to be the same situation situation as the night before. Like, I had no shot. He got within probably 25 yards, and you could just see his tine sticking up out of this grass. But for some reason, there was this lane. I think it was a strip of beds, honestly. Uh, he was in the same – like, you could draw a straight line from that buck that I shot to the buck the night before where he was standing at 52. I mean, there was this little open lane. And he ended up working over to that lane, and I don't have a Garmin set or anything, so I obviously ranged him the entire time. I mean, I had my rangefinder just going off, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like I, couldn't get, I couldn't get a solid range to save my life because he was it was so thick. It's like I got maybe one shot here, and he stepped into that gap, and I ranged him at thirty six in the tall or thirty eight in the tall grass, and then. Like I was telling you before, that grass was probably up to, you know, I maybe had three inches from the top of his, the line of his back to the top of that grass. So I just dialed in for 36, two yards short, and I put it right at that line and smoked him. Zapped. I mean, yeah. Zapped him. <laughs> Zipped right through him. And then he, he ran up, he ran to the south and then up into that open woods. And he hit a tree harder than any deer I've ever seen hit a tree. I mean, he, he straight up clotheslined this thing and just crashed. And, and the rest is history. He was dead right yep. there. And I started, snaps started flying. And it was, it was, it was great. a good morning. And I think that was seven, like seven ten. I shot that deer. So I want to say early, it was early. Within, a, I would say, first hour, right? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. 45 minutes. It was quick. Right as right as the sun started to peak up and those thermals started to change, that's when that deer started that yep. deer moved, and that's you know right before then, like I said, I heard some movement down in that bottom. Um, mm-hmm. So he was coming to, to check on, on those does, like you said, and you it, know, like that's a that's a legit thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't see it necessarily as much in Michigan because there's just so many does, but when the deer are more spread out, then bucks will will they know where they like to hang out, and I think that's exactly what that dude was doing. He was like. He like he came off that ridge, that train feature, and was like, "I know deer like to be in this area. I'm gonna sneak through here." And lucky yep. for you, he, he he wanted to get 20 yards closer than the buck of the night before, and yep. uh, you and it, took advantage of your opportunity. Yeah, and it made so much sense. You know, he hit the the top of that that ridge, going down to that bottom right as soon as the thermal started to change. They started to lift up. He's like, "I'm gonna be able to smell every deer in this bottom." Yep, doing that Worked the so, whole thing. Yep. Couldn't and have been better. That was the that was the buck of the trip. That was the for... buck of the trip. I <laughs> we ended up yeah after that we ended up. I took all my stuff down. I was like, I really still want to sit that tree. So that next that evening, actually, me and my uh, brother went in there and hunted, and we actually saw yeah. we saw like I think five deer, no bucks, but yep. Um, and then we you know proceeded to leave all our stuff in the tree and hunt that next morning, and kind of the same same kind of deal. Saw does, but didn't have as, as much luck and yep, you know because i so after you shot your deer i i sat still for a while you know your dad helped to get yep. the deer out and stuff and um i i was like okay deer kill on the property i am taking advantage of this and i'm going to scout so like i went back in i remember going back quick grabbed a bite to eat because I, I wasn't planning on sitting all day and i pretty much went back to the our cabin ate something and was like back in my truck and back over there and I walked a long ways because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to find some good stuff. Like that was my thing. And I just never really found it. 
um decent where i was sitting ready but i i like got down where the, the crossings were like in the ditch and stuff i was like okay these are all older sign you know like they were probably like 10 days off kind of a thing and i ended up doing a big loop and then i kind of worked a train feature where you were sitting like but a few hundred yards away and i was like dude drew this makes all the sense in the world like these right. deer think, are piling through here mm-hmm. and i think we from the first you know couple of nights i think we established where the deer were coming from and i think that's what you had in mind was you know trying to figure out where, exactly where they're coming from where's the mm-hmm. hub that they're coming from and how can we you know approach this a little bit differently yeah so i th- learned a lot like i learned a lot that day for me moving forward um it didn't i don't think it clicked right away it took another day or two but i just remember every place i went i kept comparing it to like that and by the towards the end of the trip it was like okay i feel pretty good i've talked about before how i you know finally i walked like 14 miles my backpack on my saddle and bow in my hand like i was just you know going i got such a bad charlie horse in my leg the one day that i (laughs) i almost fell over when i got out of my truck it was pretty funny and i was drinking water but it was just that hot and um then i just ended up bailing early and went you know was made a really good call and ended up shooting my second buck here in michigan but i think that from what you experienced, you know, that was your first out-of-state public land buck. So, I mean, that yep. was just fantastic. It was a good I mean, feeling. Yep. It was a eight, clean eight-point. Like, I mean, he grosses what he nets, and I would say a three-year-old mm-hmm. buck. And I don't know. Did you put tape on him yet? Uh, just briefly. I mean, I don't think he, he really made Pope and Young, but for an eight, I mean, he was pretty solid. He only yeah. had – he lost all of it at the brow times. So I was going to say, like if in, he had bigger brow times inch and a half route times maybe <laughs> yeah he barely <laughs> had to look back at the score but yeah yeah if he had but, if he had like four or five inch brow times he'd be knocking on the door of that 125 for sure oh yeah for, for sure then but uh yeah. but no it was a cool experience i wouldn't trade it you know i wouldn't trade that buck for anything that was awesome i mean i couldn't couldn't have drawn it up better so yeah you were pretty jazzed on the phone <laughs> I, was pretty, I was pretty jazzed yeah <laughs> it was awesome yeah, it was pretty yeah that was a good experience good experience yeah. and i'll we, go back in that area again i mean i, would I probably won't like unless something comes up but i mean if i ever was like someone's like hey you got to hunt down there in that area again and we all go down there as a group i'd be like yep i'm game i'm game we'll be able to you know we kind of pick through it a little different and like i think it's one of those things when if you're going to make this like public land out of state thing we had a lot of guys that have walked a lot of woods and you know, everyone says, oh, if you can shoot deer in Michigan, you can shoot them anywhere. Yes, you can, but you also are behind the eight ball if you've never been there before. So, like, you got to right. give yourself enough time to scout, and hopefully weather kind of plays a little bit of a role to help you out. Because, I mean, every night we would be driving back in the dark. We would see deer everywhere, running across and the road. Buck early, early in the mornings we yep. saw a crap load of bucks, too. I mean, there's there was definitely bucks there. It's just you know, fighting weather and pressure, it's, mm-hmm. there's not much you can do. I mean, well, anyone who's going to go out of state, if I can give recommendations, get a good group of guys, you know, maybe three mm-hmm. to five of you or whatever ends up being, you can share the cost of Airbnb, do all that stuff. But then really like, you got to like look at it as if one of us is successful, we're all successful yep. because that's kind of what we said. Like if one of us shoots a deer, you know, granted, if we had a little different weather and we could hunt our lease and like that, I think we would have probably wanted to have a little bit more, maybe, maybe, maybe two bucks right. or maybe a few more opportunities. But I think once that happened, we were all like, dude, I can't believe it worked. Like someone got one. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, 
you know, and we like there were bucks that were seen. You know, I think Mason passed a deer. I passed a deer or two. Your brother passed a few small ones. So, I mean, we had we were in deer, but just not quite. Yep. You know, that you know, like yours was kind of like the the standard that we wanted to be at, and you know, mm-hmm. we were we were in them, which was so. I mean, I take that as a huge success. It yeah, was a good time. Yeah, given you know the week before, we probably would have had a few more deer on the ground if I had to guess. If we had the same, if we hunted the same locations, and you know had the same luck with the wind and it, it would have definitely turned out i'm sure it turned our out cameras would have more. proved that just on our lease <laughs> yeah exactly yeah got a well, lease and we maybe hunted it twice <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was rough but hey good experience. But, so yeah. let's roll into your michigan um your season in michigan because you know there was probably a good learning experience that i think that uh will be good for all parties involved I had a mm-hmm. few of those this year. I mean, I whiffed twice on uh, deer with my bow. Um, so you let's kind of break through what you had. Maybe um, you know, I think people who've listened to other episodes of you on they kind of know the property you hunt already. I mean, you broke that down yep. pretty good the first first one we did, and how you kind of attack you know October and those kind of things. But kind of roll us into your archery season and your gun season and whatnot in Michigan. Yeah. So, uh, well, to start, I had pretty high hopes for uh bow season michigan bow season um we had a four-year-old that was regular i mean just like every other day maybe every day on camera and i was really making a game plan for him start of october like first or second of october um and so was my neighbor uh so his what would you know good for him his son ended up killing that deer on opening day actually opening opening evening and i mean it was a very nice deer and uh his son i think is maybe 15 or 16 so i couldn't be couldn't be more happy for him to be able to to capitalize any shot with a compound too which is even cooler yeah um so we were all you know the whole section was pretty pretty floored for him so um but you know i didn't really have a ton of i mean i had other mature deer but nothing i was really thinking about shooting I mean, I'm talking, we had a few good three-year-olds that I, you know, for one, I've, I've shot plenty of and didn't want to shoot this one. Um, but there was one buck that I passed on opening day, opening day rifle season last year. And we had, I probably have 50 pictures of this deer from last year, but I got one picture of him in velvet and then one picture of him, he showed up again like October 5th, I want to say. What did you name it's him? Like, did he have like a name? Did you call him Big Eight or something, or what was? Uh, Crooked Brow. Crooked Brow. That's Bro. what it was. Crooked Brow. Yeah. He had this. I almost called him Captain Hook. So he had this. He had this giant hook brow tine, and he was he was just an eight, but he had that hook brow, and then he had a split off that hook, and he was a he was a cool deer. I mean, he had like mid twenty inch beams. I mean, he was <laughs> he was wow. a good deer, and. And probably the biggest deer I've ever seen on the hoof, body wise. I mean, it was he was a large deer. So I was pretty. Once I saw him again, I was pretty. All right, let's. I was in the position like let's make a game plan. Let's let's try and get after this deer. And um, he was a ghost. I would say that's probably the hardest deer I've ever hunted in Michigan on this property. Anyway, um, he was just not on. He was not regular on camera for us. I mean, you'd catch him like just a glimpse of him, like you catch his butt and, and, you know, maybe it was maybe next year I need to, you know, pay a little more attention to, to camera placement and stuff like that. But 
you know, I put them in the same locations most of the time, you know, give or take a few yards, but, um, it was just tough to get on him. And I had, he was not like the winds he was using. I was using the wind in his face, obviously like most of those mature bucks do, but he was, he was using it in a way that just did not play well for our property. I mean, he was moving the opposite of what you'd want to move a deer, want a deer to move on our property. So, um, so I got a picture of him on the fifth and then fast forward 10 days, I get another picture of him on the 15th or 16th. And I was like, perfect. And I had been hunting, but not near as much. Cause I, I just didn't have a game plan. So I'd, yep. you know, it was strictly observation sets. I maybe sat twice or three times uh, at the yep. start of the season till, till that weekend that, that, that's my that's my weekend. The, the, Dude, the October it, lull is your time. Fifteenth, <laughs> sixteenth, seventeenth. I think I've said it before. But I've shot multiple deer on, you know, that time stretch from the, you know, fifteenth to the twentieth, um, and it happens every year. I get on them every year. But, anyways, he showed up on the fifteenth, and he was, he was working a pocket that I couldn't really hunt, um, so I had to get a little, you know, I had to get a little tricky. Was and, he hitting a scrape or was this like, what was it? Was it a no, trail just, camera you saw him or did you see him on an observation set or? Just trail. I had one trail camera. It was kind of out in the open. It's, it's in this uh, kind of like off this briar patch. I have to put a T-post in the ground because there's mm. nowhere to, else to put a camera. Uh, and I kind of try to hide it in these briars so they won't see it. But he would just move through this area and he was moving from, you know, kind of uh, traversing our property like, how do you, like moving adjacent properties, just moving through our property. He wasn't, mm. he wasn't ever staying. I didn't once catch him in the food plot. I didn't once catch him on any of our scrapes. Um, so it was very, very tough to get on him. And he was like patrolling. So correct. you were just catching him when he's patrolling. Yep. And he could have been moving. I mean, he could have been moving five, 600 yards in a day or maybe, you know, possibly even more, you know. Mm -hmm. that that other buck was a completely different story the one i was attempting to kill that the neighbor ended up killing was on camera <laughs> like in daylight every day like it was it was night and day difference between that deer and this deer but um so anyways he showed up on camera and it was it was it was at night i think it was like nine o'clock at night um but he was he was moving with a north or northwest wind with the wind in his face moving obviously to the north um and i was like man i don't have really anything that plays well for that so we ended up putting a new stand just out in the middle of this crp field i mean it's we have a rifle blind probably 80 yards from it but i can't draw a bow back in it so it was like that would that would have been the play but mm -hmm. i figure my only hope at this deer is to give him some sort of advantage um and that's exactly what I did. I set up, he was, I knew kind of where he was bedded. I drew out on on X, like a, maybe an acre area where I thought he was coming from. And, uh, I set up to the North of him thinking with a Northwest wind, thinking he'd come from the South into my face. And I, I mean, I was really playing the wind that night, like milkweed, like constantly. And there was a few times where it would swirl or it'd go straight north and I'd be like, man, he's going to come right down the pipe and he's going to smell me at freaking 50 yards. Um, and I think I sent you a snap that night. Yep. I said, if I kill my target buck, he's going to come out of this corner. And I pointed to it and yep. probably 
and it was warm that day. I think it was like 50 some and it was just mist in the whole night. I was yeah, like, it was rainy. Just... It was a rainy night. Yeah. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. I was like, this just feels meaty right now. And... Well, was the... <laughs> yeah, because the 15th is when I missed or I nicked my yeah, bucket. Two days after. And this was, yep. this was a couple days after that. So yeah, that was the yeah. same kind of stretch of weather where it was like rainy. Yeah. It would like get sunny for a second and then it would be rainy and it was kind of warm. Yep. So yeah, that was right during that time. Yeah, it was the 17th, I think, because I had been bundled up quite a bit in the first hunts before that. And then this one, I think I was just wearing like a vest or something. I mean, it was it was pretty warm. Yeah, so before um, you go any farther, I have a couple questions. So mm-hmm. what made you think that that was the bedding pocket? Were you like back figuring from trail camera location? Kind of like, okay, if he's going to, if he's moving at night, this is like, what made you feel like that one acre area was where he liked to be? So there's a pretty serious transition from so there's like a cattail marsh that comes up to like a cedar pocket that is backed by an oak ridge and then it opens up into an old orchard that's since grown in and there's a few apple trees in it and autumn olive and stuff like that so it's like this perfect little pocket that Mm -hmm. you know they get up in there and this is just from years of hunting the property we've understood during shed season that you know this is where the deer like to be this is where they like the bed. They like the bed in that, that little cedar pocket. And just based on that, I always try to triangulate my trail cameras. Um, and I surround it around this, you know, I triangulate around this pocket. So I was getting them on two sides of the triangle every time I got them. So he was mm-hmm. moving. Like I had a camera that was southwest of another camera. So he'd, he'd pass by that camera and then he'd show up again at the other camera to the north so that you know obviously tells me he's moving via travel mm-hmm. yeah south to north so i i didn't know exactly where he's bedding so i made it a pretty big area and i didn't have any stands by there so i was like i'm gonna so where i thought he was bedding to where i hit this deer at was probably 500 yards yeah so pretty decent yeah. amount of travel because when you pointed, you were like over there. And I'm like, you're pretty. Good. I was like, maybe it's an observation set, you know, kind of a thing. I wasn't really sure your play that night, but uh, mm-hmm. that was not an observation set for you. You were in the game. <laughs> yeah, I was in the chips, and I, you know, for not having a picture, too many pictures of them, it was, it worked out well. But um, just came down to execution. I yeah. Uh, so it, he worked through like kind of break us down. Like okay, you're you're playing. You kind of said the wind which I feel like is the same kind of wind I used to kill my my buck in October, parallel wind. Like, I'm sitting, the wind is going, like, it's going where he's coming from, but I'm, like, off, like, 30 or 40 yards from where I think he's going to be. Mm-hmm. So my wind's going, like, if he would have, like, let's say he's going straight and he wants to go straight north, like you're saying, the wind is in his face, but I'm just to his left 20, 30 right. yards. And then I'm just yeah, praying or- that I get a shot before he gets – I mean, and you, the only way you can really do that is use terrain um, or like you were just saying, like, you know, deer like to be in that pocket so you can be off of it far enough. Like that's something that right. takes failing to realize where you need yeah. to be. Like you have yeah, to fail exactly. and find the right tree and get a feel for it because guess what? If it's not windy enough, like you're talking about, it could swirl. Mm-hmm. You get thermal pull that could happen. I've had weird things where a north wind, if it's early season and there's leaves on the trees, I get a crazy backdraft. So north wind really is a south wind for like 75 yards. So, I mean, these yep. are all little minute things. Like anyone who's listened to this, like, oh, yeah, it's easy. 
it's a north wind so the deer's coming from the south you just got to be off to the side a little bit and then you can shoot them because you can't smell you because you're over well yeah that's ideal but it takes a lot of things to line up for that to work but you yep. can learn that if you pay attention to the details and with this one i was maybe so the pasture actually went back all the way to the crp field and i was maybe probably 60 80 yards off that fence line in the wide open crp but you know to um my east would be open pasture so there's just one little fence line that that splits those two terrains and it's yep. like i know i know i can play that because it's wide open you know even though it's crp it's all wide open i'm in the one of the only trees in this whole area so i can get away with playing a wind like that because it stays more consistent yep. and whereas if i move more to the west closer to my neighbors i have that's where the timber starts so if i hug that timber line from the crp if that's a northwest wind it's gonna it more swirls actually like from the east and kind of mm -hmm. hugs that fence line and kind of wants to curl back into the woods so and those are just factors you gotta keep in mind when you're trying to make an approach like this because you don't want to mess up. i mean you don't want to mess up you don't want that if you get into that tree and that wind's blowing straight north then you're screwed i mean the whole setup would have been a wash yeah from yeah. the minute he stepped out in that crp because he would have smelled me from 100, 200 yards away. Yep. Um, but for my favorite, it, it stayed consistent. And sure enough, he stepped out of that pocket. And what's funny, and something, a big learning, a big learning point from, from this whole situation is we ended up taking the four-wheeler. So if in that CRP, we've noticed um, if you drive a four-wheeler, you know, we sometimes put the plow on it or, or use a roller, but we'll actually run that grass down in just one width of the four-wheeler. And those deer, it's that CRP so tall, they actually will move those open lanes, you know, like we would walk a walking path. So that's exactly, when we put that stand up, that's exactly what we what we did is, I had my, my dad drive a line all the way to that corner, to that thick bedding corner that he may come out or, you know, any buck may come out of, and just one run one line but the mistake we made is that we drove the four-wheeler up to the tree to set the stand and then we took that we plowed that lane directly from the tree mm. to that corner and after doing it i was like shit we needed to we should have offset that we ended up driving another lane kind of 20 yards off of that and connecting to the same to the same path you made like just a y yeah, just hoping that they would take the other side of that Y. Hindsight, there was a, a fallen tree there. I should have used the winch and pulled that across that trail to, you know, make sure nothing came directly into me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this buck came on a beeline. I mean, it would have been the most perfect video. He even, he was making, he was riled up for whatever reason, but he was making scrapes in that open lane, just digging oh, his man. horns into the dirt and, you could see the rolls on his neck. That's how big. That's how big his body was, and he ended up coming. I mean, I saw him immediately. Like as soon as he stepped out in the CRP, I grabbed my ball because I could see him from 150 yards out. Like this is this is a buck. There this he is. is. The buck I'm, I'm hunting. Ooh. And uh, get me all excited. Come on. Yeah, ended, up, ended up coming on a beeline, <laughs> and I had this deer at maybe 10, eight yards. Like I could have spit on him on like between my knees, but like I had no, I was full frontal the whole the way, the whole way to me. 
It's like if he would have just taken that other lane, I would have had a broadside shot at 20 yards. Um, but he didn't, and I didn't have any opportunity to draw on him. And so finally he came right into the tree and off to my left. And that's when I, you know, thought I had a good opportunity to draw. And he was directly under me, but I, I, I drew and I must have squeaked. I must have turned weird and, and, you know, maybe rubbed the cushion on my the seat of the stand. Um, but he ended up boogering out and I was at full draw and he just took off before I was at full draw and he ran back the way he came, but he stopped at 25 yards quartering away. I was like, okay, this is my shot. So, you know, hindsight, never rushed the shot. I tried to get a good anchor. Couldn't get a good anchor. I was on like one tippy toe because <laughs> I had some branches to deal with, you know, yeah. poor trimming on my end too. And I just I ended up making a, a bad shot. I don't know. I put it, you know, a little high and up hitting them high shoulder, um, come to find out, but we, yeah, you we exhausted. Too. You knew, oh, like I, knew. I never, I never being pumped for you. And I was like, dude, you're like, yeah, ma'am, I, th- I feel like it's just too high. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. what do you mean? He's like cording away. And I was like, well, you got good penetration. I was like, you should have buried it. He's like, no, it's high. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's high. And like, you know, a lot of times your gut's right. You know, it can trick you, yeah. but like when you're, when it's in the way of a bad shot, like, it's usually not a trick. It's a trick when you think it's a really good shot. It's not. Usually yeah. if someone thinks it's a bad shot, there's you got to play with a caution. So Yeah. And at first I thought, you know, maybe it might have been – I might have hit the liver. I might have seen it enter weird because I've had a weird situation going on with my Luminox and those those Easton Axis arrows I shoot. As soon as the, the arrow hits the deer, those Luminox just turn, like, off. turn off, blow off, you know, shoot off the arrow or they just disappear and it's like – I can see kind of where it enters, but I I always lose it after that because it's okay. It's twenty twenty four. Why yeah. do we not have better knocks? Like why yeah, do we not have better lighted knocks? Like and why I don't want to have to spend fifty bucks a knock for a good one. Mm-hmm. Like you're telling me we can't have a good knock for five to fifteen dollars a piece. Like come on, like every deer I've shot this year, the the knock is either broken or just turned off on impact for yeah. whatever reason. So, what um, so if I would have known. So like I said, I, at first I thought it was liver because I shot him and he ran maybe 80 yards and just stopped. And I watched him for probably 45 minutes just stand out in the CRP and he looked hurt. Um, but it just, you know, nothing was, I was, it was a very interesting situation. I didn't, it's like, I thought I hit liver because he, you know, usually they, when they stop like that, it's, it's like, okay. Um, he's mortally wounded. He's going to go bed somewhere, and I'll be yeah, able to find him in the morning. Yeah, they don't tip over in the first five to ten minutes. It's like okay, you know, something's going on here for sure. Yep. And then, so that's what I took it as was going to be a liver shot. And I was going to go back in the morning. I went down to try and find my arrow. Could not find an arrow. Like I said, I had no luminox, so I had no idea where I hit him. But I found a little speck of blood, and you know, from shooting those fixed blade single bevels, I don't get a lot of blood with those and I, I can touch on that again you know for the deer i shot up north um but we went back the next morning found the arrow found it was snapped in three pieces usually high shoulder shot it's, it's the two shoulder blades that, yep. that can make that arrow snap in three spots so we kind of knew um but we exhausted every effort we got that we got the dog on it and tracked it for probably we had good blood for about 100 yards and then found a bed and then it, it dried up after that. So 
I um, want to break down that arrow thing for guys just quick. Um, like what you're saying is if this shot would have been back a little farther and you would have hit liver, there's a good chance that arrow would have cleanly passed through or correct. maybe hit, the, or if you're a little farther forward, it would have hit the off shoulder. So then if the arrow is going to break, usually you get a half break because correct. the majority of the broadhead is going to, an arrow is going to be in the cavity. He'll either kick it out when he runs or as he's running, they'll snap the front off or the back, whatever mm-hmm. ends up happening. You were like, I found three pieces or you found the two other pieces because the arrow actually probably did stick out both sides. So you had you know, broadhead in the front, fletching the back. So when he ran, clip each one off or hit a snagged it on a branch or something. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like experience with seeing stuff. Like that's like, you got to pay attention. And that to was, detail, so. that was three pieces at the shot, like maybe 10 yards from the shot. And yeah, there's nothing, right nothing in, nothing in the way to catch it. So it's like right away yeah. that, penetrated both sides he you know hiked up both front shoulders and snapped it yep popped yep, it. yep popped it so um but i did you know definitely want to emphasize doing everything you can to track you know we knew it was high shoulder i tracked him for 100 yards and basically lost blood there wasn't much blood to begin with i mean it mm-hmm. was you know like pin drops um but he's say you shouldn't give up in that situation um it definitely gives you some more peace of mind too knowing that you know i know the dog that we brought in was their neighbor's dog and a very good dog five-year-old bavarian mountain hound and he's been tracking 100 deer a year for the last three years so yeah i guess some um, seat time <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like all right i know this is gonna it at least puts you at ease knowing that the deer's you know still alive um and back to the hardest deer i've ever hunted it that deer ended up surviving but fast forward over a month later i got the next picture of him finally i mean it it took him a solid month to get come back on camera and it was like midnight (laughs) Um, crazy yep and same area same general area same general area yep. yep So I'm assuming he went back to his, we didn't pressure that area very much the rest of that season. Um, and I'm assuming he went back to his bed and, or, you know, this is after rut. So he showed back up October 24th, I want to say, or October oh, no. 27th November. or November, November, November yeah. sorry. Yep. Um, so well in the rifle season, he shows back up, you know, at dark and uh, funny enough, I don't know if it's, you know, I, you know, I still don't know if he's still alive or not, but uh neighbor also gets a picture of him, goes out that day. Oh. Uh, we, we get a picture of him. He goes out and <laughs> ends up shooting him with a rifle. But <laughs> he says, what? so he, he, he got a picture of that deer and he went, went to hunt that deer that night. Yeah. And I believe I have the story pretty pretty correct from from the text messages with my neighbor but uh he shoots him at night kind of rushes the shot because the car's coming down the road he starts going back into the thicket and hits him back what he thinks ends up tracking him i think he lets him sit that night ends up tracking him the next morning tracks him to a wound bed jumps him again he's still alive the next morning shoots him again tracks <laughs> tracks him i'm not joking you oh my gosh tracks him tracks him with the dog 
over a half mile with maybe three spots of blood along that track ends up turning, losing the track. So wow. deer's either dead in the swamp somewhere or still alive. But wow. by far, by far the earliest freaking crazy, <laughs> crazy, most, most brutal deer. I've, you know, it's, it's, uh, like I said, the hardest deer I've ever had to hunt. It's also the hardest deer to kill, apparently. Yeah, that's <laughs> nuts, man. But, well, the so, cool thing is you've got that characteristic. So, like, yeah, if any of you guys find them or whatever, you'll know. But I mean, I mean, I I've seen and heard crazy things. You know, I mean, how many times we've killed deer? Yeah. It's like, oh, like the buck I shot, he had he got shot by something, and like mm-hmm. I maybe a gun because like the it was like down his rib cage, like you know, like it was like he like three or four ribs had something in it and they all healed over it. And it was one of those things like, I don't know how an arrow would have done that. And I'm like, well, maybe a bullet kind of like just grazed them down the side and who you never know. Like, dude, they, they go through a lot and that's insane. That same day, your neighbor's like, yep, I know what to do. And it didn't work out for him. Oh my God. And who knows if he hit him on the second shot or, you know, the blood he found was just blood from the night before, but, that deer still hasn't showed up on either of our cameras because we've been exchanging pictures like since I got up, you know, because when I hit that deer, I obviously called him and yeah, we obviously exchanged pictures. So yeah, because you um, guys are in the same mindset. Like all my good properties are good because I have good neighbors. Like we've we talked about that. Like you mm-hmm. now, that doesn't mean you have to be like, hey, October seventh, he's heading your way, or like I got this deer daylight. You're like during right. season, you might not be like as like you know forthcoming, but if like not because I, not because I don't I'm not gonna be excited if my neighbor shoots it, but it's like like he doesn't need to know. We already know the deer's in the area, so like I'm not sending him every time I get a picture. But like preseason, right. you get a game plan together or hit list together, maybe with each other. Hey, I'm passing this one. What do you think? Are you on the same page? You know, allow that communication. And then yeah, obviously if he hits one and needs a track, you let him track and vice versa. So like yep. that's what's good about that. You know, I'm not saying hey man you need to sit that south stand of yours or you better be in that blind because I haven't seen him come out <laughs> yeah. of that corner every night. Like he's got to figure that out on his own to an extent, you know, but <laughs> you know, certain yeah. guys, but dude, that would be, it, if that deer makes it, that is going to be a story for whoever ends up it, shooting that it, deer. You know, it kind of worries me for that deer is, is just infection. Like put aside the, the, the gun shot wound. Um, the picture we do have of him is you can see the side I hit him on. Yeah. And it's his let like shoulder down to his leg is probably a double, triple the size of his other leg. So it's yeah, swollen up pretty good. Yep. But, you know, the, the neighbor did say when he came out of the field first, he seemed to be moving all right. So who knows? You know, he could have maybe grazed him and, and missed him on the second shot. He could be alive or he could have hit him both times and he could be dead in the swamp somewhere. So that's yeah, just, he's going to go back to whatever hole he was in for a month. Yeah. Where but, he's going. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, a mental note of that, you know, where I, th- I thought his bed was when I first, you know, was hunting him or first wounded him. And we're going to scour that area on our hands and knees, try and find his sheds mm-hmm. or his dead body, you know, <laughs> that dead body. And hopefully, so before hopefully we roll he turns up your, or before we roll into a little better, uh, a little, a little higher, you know, higher note end of your season, mm-hmm. are you got any plans for this area for next year? Um, with how you want to hunt it? Uh, so that stand's definitely going to stay there. We're going to definitely trim the trim the lanes a little bit better. Um, but I'm 
to, to more pattern movement or position move, deer movement from that, that core bedding area. Um, it's so overgrown with automobile. You, there's some spots you can barely walk through. It's, it's probably tripled in thickness from the last five years. Um, just automobile's taking over everything. So what I'm going to actually do next, this spring is, is take our, one of our forestry mulchers in there and, and mow just a, one path wide. Okay kind of down into that bedding just to give them a line of movement um you know because they'll depending on the wind they'll decide to go one way or the other or they'll just stick on the neighbors or they'll go straight straight east and you know i'll, I'll never see them it's it's if you can imagine our property it's a it's more of a skinnier strip mm-hmm. that runs uh north and south so i gotta kind of try and keep them you know i have food on the north i gotta position that line of movement for them to move south to north up to the food and you know make that loop so nice um just and i think i could move some cameras too um but like i've like i've said before our property is pretty limited on on trees to hunt out of so (laughs) if there's you know there may be one saddle tree that i could have killed him you know when he first entered that crp but it's a very tough win and it's not the win that I wouldn't have been able to even get in range of them hunting that with a northwest wind. So yeah, but um, like in but in in the future, if another deer or another buck likes that area, you now have a good mm-hmm. game plan for. Oh, if the wind's Correct. doing this, there's a spot. If the wind's doing yep. that, I got a preset or whatever you got to do to get yep. that. So and that's all right. It's just so been, it's been getting better and better every year. I mean, yep, you guys you just got to take those notes and 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 learn from it. And we were successful. My dad and brother both killed a nice buck and rifle season. Yep. So, you know, couldn't be more happy for that, but just got to live and learn. <laughs> yep. Next year. And ho- hopefully the story of the crooked, the crooked, what, or not captain cook, what'd you call him? Crooked, uh, crooked brow. Crooked brow. Crooked brow yeah. Yeah, still is going. So, mm-hmm. all right. So we kind of talked up before the podcast, you kind of got sick gun season came and went. Um, you kind of were sick when you still were hunting, but your dad and brother both shot great bucks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we kind of roll into this whole like Northern Michigan thing you went on and did. Uh, so kind of, yep. let's kind of like talk about that a little bit. Um, that's the, like I said, one of the coolest Snapchats that was from this hunt. So what yep. time of year was it? Um, you're farther North. I mean, your big woods, like kind of break all that kind of stuff down. Yeah. So we're up in the, the North Eastern part of the lower peninsula. Um, it's, it's a camp we've been doing for, for quite a few years. Um, and we have some buddies that have private property, um, and a few cabins. That's where we stay, but it's entirely surrounded by public land. I mean, it's all big woods, a lot of pine plantations and, you know, thick cedars down by the river, the North branch of the Osaba river actually runs up right through the, their property. And then, you know, through all the public up there and, we kind of go it's our late season deer duck camp um so that late uh middle zone duck season that weekend season always falls in line with our camp so it's it's generally the first it's like the second week of december sometimes uh sometimes a little earlier sometimes a little later just depending on when that duck season falls um but we kind of had to change. Usually when we get up there, there's feet of snow. And obviously as anybody that lives in Michigan knows the last couple of years, it's kind of been hit or miss whether we're going to get snow or not. So it was kind of a wasteland up there this year. 
and it actually was better for the deer hunting we did kill some ducks too but um it was much better for the deer hunting just just seeing deer and them still sticking to their their late fall food patterns um so you know from day one because we don't have any intel when we go up there ever i mean so from that first weekend we got up there uh, we just deployed cameras and you know tried to find deer uh and sure enough there's plenty of deer on camera I, what what's funny is we usually go up there and and mind you i've never seen a buck up there yeah. and i've been going since like 2014 <laughs> so <laughs> like never seen a buck hunting up there that's and, crazy and and very little deer at that i mean i'll i'll see maybe like five deer trip like it's very limited um but this year it was nothing but bucks i mean we wow we had probably four different bucks on camera um and you know these aren't giant deer by any means but they're northwoods bucks and when you don't you know when you don't really see deer a hundred inch eight is awesome giant <laughs> i mean yeah it's a giant <laughs> up there um so i made a game plan we put out one camera on this food plot and i hunted this deer um we called him high and tight he was this you know he was probably 14 15 inches wide well probably less than that even um but just real tall and I was like, I'm going to kill that deer for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so first night skunked, I sat this, this little, it was this little like kind of open plot on the edge of this. It was a big, uh, a timber crew came in last year or the year before, I want to say, and, and took out a lot of these pines. Um, like probably 80% of these pines and it's grown up but there's like a bunch of oaks, you know, saplings and, and whatever else through here. So it's kind of just a smorgasbord for them because they don't yeah, have any brown. food. I, yeah. I mean, there's probably like the closest ag fields, like maybe 20 minutes away, 20 miles away. Like it's, it's all woods. It's all big woods. That's nuts. And it was, it was right off. So, you know, to my East is, is the North branch of the Asable and that's surrounded by, you know, pretty thick cedars or, or swamp you know terrain like that and it kind of comes up on this ridge and it's this you know pine cut um that's grown up over the last couple of years and i just there's this one opening on the edge of the they left some pine rows up um and there's this one opening there and they had a it was on the property and they had an old dilapidated deer blind that like i had to i debated whether or not i could get up the steps more than once <laughs> i mean there's like yeah maybe like one screw holding in this whole stairwell going up into this thing it's like shaking back and forth trying to get in you gotta go like hands and knees all the way up into it just covered in raccoon poop and piss yep. and you got to stay up the whole time actually but i was like i hunted it that first night and i actually couldn't even the window i couldn't open the windows all the way so i couldn't draw my bow back so i was like well i guess it's an observation set now um yep. ended up getting skunked that first night then that deer show back up on camera uh the next that well that late that night like 2 a.m um so then i went back there that next evening because i had a good a, a decent enough wind but it, it wasn't good enough i mean it was west but as soon as it hit those pines it kind of swirl um and i actually go when it went there with a screwdriver took the window off 
so I could draw my bow back in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I like I had to screw in bow hanger to hold my bow up in this blind. Yep. It, it, like all the windows were off. I was like, okay, if anything comes out, I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna kill him. But that deer ended up showing up, and he ended up uh, coming about 60 yards from me, and the wind was just swirling, and he he barely he must have must have barely just caught a whiff of me and kind of turned around and just worked his way off. He wasn't too, you know, freaked out. Um, but I didn't have another good wind for probably two days after okay. that, so I just stayed out of there. He showed back up on camera again, and then, you know, sure enough that it was the last night we were there, I ended up going to sit and hunt that deer again, and it's one of those things that persistence just pays off, and this deer came out at that very last light, like, you got to imagine when you're in a, a blind, that last light is, is very dark. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I had just enough light to be able to shoot, I had to turn my, my sight, my pin on or my sight light. Yep. Um, and he was maybe, he came within like 15 yards of the blind. Wow. And I got, I got drawn in time. It was dark enough that I could get away with low movement in the blind. And I got drawn in time and had a shot. Yeah, Cause you're like a window. black hole. Like there is something yeah. about that though, because you can yeah. get, I shot my buck out of my gun blind. Uh, it's a gun slash bow blind I built, but like, you're if you if you're back in that and you can stand up they do not see you in there mm -hmm. like you can have does all around turkeys doesn't matter if you're in that low light situation you're just like a and you're wearing a black hoodie or something they have no idea what's going on i mean exactly i stopped that deer at 14 yards and i'm only six feet off the ground and he hadn't didn't even look at the blind had no idea pulled the bow back right. when he was at 20 yards like it's yeah, but then you have to deal with the whole like claustrophobia and the yep. like, little window to shoot through, like all that. But and I didn't have my I had one shot where I ended up shooting him at, and my you know my release elbow was touching the back wall, <laughs> my stabilizer was touching the front of the blind. Like oh I my gosh, one I, shot. I was I was I was locked in though. I was solid because yeah. I I was kind of pinched where I was, but um. But no, he actually ended up giving me a a, a a pretty heavy quartering two shot, but I knew using those those fixed blade single bevels and I've shot deer like that before. And I ended up, you know, putting it high on his front front side shoulder. Yep. And I what I thought smoked him. Um so come to find out, and this is the whole thing with these the single bevels, not really you don't the deer don't seem to bleed too much with them for some reason. I don't know if it's just such a surgical incision. That's yeah. why. And I was using the FJ4s, which have the bleeders. So I was like, okay, yep. I should get some blood. But Well, like, let's, let's take a second here. Like, there is give and take in pretty much everything in life, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, and then you talk about bow hunting. That is the epitome of give and take. Like, if you yep. want to, you know, if you want to get a bow that shoots 80 pounds, it might be a little, you know, that's great, but you got to be strong. You got to be able to do it. Your bow might be a little more aggressive. If you want to shoot a smoother drawing bow, it might not be as fast. You want to shoot a really heavy arrow because you want to be able to have great penetration. Well, then you have a bigger pin gap. You want to shoot fixed blade, single bevel, you're going to get extreme penetration. But, like, if you don't hit them quite right, I mean, mm -hmm. they, the skin, you know, even with a bleeder, like, you can have an amazing blood trail or you're going to have no blood trail for a while. Yeah. Use a mechanical. 
I mean, you could have a great blood trail, the mechanical, or you could go and get two inches of penetration because you squared up a rib right, wrong, or right. just part of the shoulder. So, I mean, there there is this give and take. But one of the things you have to give with single bevels or that kind of a broadhead is you don't have the greatest blood trail right away. Right. I mean, or at all. Like, I've I shot a doe one time, and uh, she ran like 40 yards and just tipped over and it was dead. And I, like, walked over there, and I was like, where's the blood? Like, there's no mm-hmm. blood, you know, but she was stone cold dead in 40 yards in like 10 seconds, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. But if you, so, okay. So, I, that's just my experience. So, I'm kind of well, curious. We I haven't heard a, the story had, yet. So, I'm kind of curious what buddy, happens. We had a buddy up there that shot a doe like a week prior with the same broadhead right through the heart when he gutted her, but it did not pin drops, dropping like pin drops of blood. So, it's just, it's the hole just closes up too quickly or. I can't quite figure it out, but needless to say, I, I shot this deer, and, and where I ended up hitting them was exactly where I was aiming. So I was above the front side shoulder, and it exited, you know, armpit of the yep. offside shoulder. Yep. So exactly Perfect. where I wanted it to, yeah, exactly yep. where I wanted it to go. So we have a pretty good crew up there, um, and I think there was four of us that, four of them that met me out there. And we just looked at the side of the shot and we found one drop of blood and then we found the arrow. So the arrow was probably, I shoot a 29 inch arrow, probably 26, 27 inches of arrow, you know, before the fletching was there with just coated in blood. The bleeders were broken off. So I knew I hit something Yeah. and it, the blood looked good. Everything looked good on the arrow. Walked. 10 steps find the fletching you know the fletching fletching portion yeah. back to back to the knock that's completely clean so i know it, it went in and broke exited yep. Yep. um not a single drop of blood wow we scoured we got two more guys back at camp so there's six of us out there we go back there two hours later scour this opening for blood none of us can find a single drop of blood besides where i shot him at with an excellent like, whoa that's crazy. With an exit holo. So I, we're like, we track them for, or we just kind of grid search that particular area. You know, it's hindsight. We, it's good. We didn't, you know, try to go any farther. You know, if you don't have blood, it's, there's no reason to try and intrude in dark when you can go in there the next day and mm-hmm. have a better chance of seeing them grid searching. Um, so we searched for a couple hours and, and then uh, went back there the next day. And same story the next day. We get out in that opening, can't find a single drop of blood. I knew where he ran. He ran to the south. So it's like we walked that up and down to the south trying to find anything. Sure enough, couldn't find anything. We're probably out there for two hours at this point, three hours at this point. And my one buddy, Mitch, is standing up on top of this like ridge that they, they took some oaks out, the timber company did. And he can see down into the cedars by the river. And he was just scanning anything that was white as he was walking. And uh, sure enough, I get a call from him like right before we're ready to pack up. I mean, we were out there at nine. He called me at like noon, 1230. And he's like, dude, I got him. Oh, my gosh. He walks up to him. Not a single drop of blood. Grabs the deer. Still loose. Like not stiff whatsoever. Oh, like you think so, with that shot, that deer would be dead within yeah an hour. Um, 
but yeah or less i mean if you if you're going through top shoulder i mean i've shot deer where their shoulder and neck meet and i've had Mm -hmm. that arrow come out armpit they run 80 yards max and then just tip over and blood everywhere like blood everywhere because you like unzip them so Mm -hmm. so yeah then the autopsy show that's what i say then it got in the autopsy mode and started cutting them open and what had happened was it entered that front side shoulder and clipped that leading lung, um, yep. like the front front lobe of that leading lung. Yep. Just barely missed the esophagus, and then skipped below, completely missed the offside lung. Oh, geez. So it didn't. He didn't hit anything. Oh my! So you, you know, would have kicked that, that deer up for sure, and he would have been just that, gone that night. Yeah, that night we would have definitely pushed him or kicked him up or whatever, but. Um, and, and what's crazy is, is that deer just didn't bleed at all either. I mean, there was barely any hair or blood on his fur and, you know, it's just no, there's not a blood trail leading up to yeah. where that deer bedded down at. He just literally went there, bedded and died that next morning. Wow. Um, but you know, that could have been one of those situations to where an expandable with a little bigger cutting diameter, you know, it would have hit that front side lung, but then it would have also probably clipped the esophagus. Yeah, and it would have been game over from there because he probably would have, you know, yeah, it would have bled through suffocated. that for sure. Yeah, you or yeah. you'd have caught one more. Ar- I mean, you obviously caught something to get yeah. him to, you know, bleed internally, just slower, you know. Yeah. But but then, like, would you have taken that shot with an expandable? Like, that's the thing. Like, you kind of like that's exactly it. That's why, that's that's why I the, took that shot because I knew I've done it before and it's worked out. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's that's the tough thing about bow hunting. But you made the right call. I mean, you didn't have blood. Yep even though it was a close shot, you backed out way until the next day. Like you could have kicked that buck and never found him and coyote mm-hmm. mate essentially, you know, uh, yep. that's crazy. I mean, dude, that buck I hit my second buck, I hit him in the heart. I mean, I was using those, you know, those smaller expandables, three blade. And there's a slice across the whole heart and he was alive 45 minutes after shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, he ended up only going, you know, maybe a th- I think he went, I think we ended up doing from shot to where he died was like, almost 300 yards maybe 250 something like that i can't remember anymore but um if i would have gutted that deer i didn't think there was a chance that i would have hit the heart like i thought a heart shot him when i shot him i was like oh that's a heart shot and then crazy things happen but yeah that's that's wild i didn't like i said i didn't hear this part of the story so i was just like no way yeah and going from the ultimate low of you know my my michigan season down south going up there and you know that happening that was I was a little bit worried for the season. The rough <laughs> 18 we, hours is what yeah, that is. we could find them. But, you know, it just goes to show never un- underestimate these animals. I mean, they're they're impressive. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's it's crazy what they can survive through. And, you know, definitely don't. If you feel like you shouldn't be tracking the deer, don't track yep. the deer. Wait. Yep. You know, yep. back out and wait. Cause that's, that's good. That paid off, you know. Crazy. At least once this year. <laughs> yep, and then then the cool Snapchat is of you floating this buck. <laughs> yeah, so the easier route out, oh. we could have. I could have drug it through all these tops that were down on the ground, so probably three hundred yards, but it was probably a hundred yards to the river. So there was actually a trail that came in on the other side from the property. So snap, I sent you was me dragging a deer and a jet sled down the Osaba River and just probably a bald, bald eagle flew over or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. yeah. So pretty, just pretty because epic. my brain just goes this way, way, 
do you think there was more bucks there because of all that timber and that regrowth? Do you think they really liked that? Because that was like the hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, from the years we've been there, so we, my brother, ended up shooting a buck that that um, that week too. But those were the first two buck shots in twenty fifteen up there. I want to say, um, oh. and and I I want to say it was the same story back then when that okay. those last bucks were shot or we had a crap load of snow and they kind of confined to certain areas when there's yeah. that much snow. I mean, feet yeah. of snow. Um, but it's, it's fresh attraction. I mean, there's, there's pine tops on the ground. They, they left all the other tops there. There's regrowth, a lot of fresh regrowth. And it, it seems like when you get into spots like that, those fresh timber cuts that like everybody, you know, everybody talks about it in big timber, you know, hunting those mm-hmm. year year to two old cuts and it's like you see all the animals there you see the squirrels there you see the grouse there you see the deer there i mean they just all kind of pertain to that one area and it it happens to be close to bedding because you know being as close as it is to the river um you know they can they kind of bed down those cedars especially when they need that thermal cover yep and then they have they have food close by um, thanks timber company thank you timber company yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> And what's funny, you know, is I knew that deer ran to the south and finding him direct, like 300 yards directly to the east. So he made a huge, big, huge loop. Big, huge loop. Yep. So he made it 300 yards from shot. 300 yards. Mm -hmm. Wow. Probably even farther if he made that loop, but 300 yards directly from from shot, like directly east. The only thing that could have made that easier on you is a drone. Correct. That would have been the only thing. I mean, maybe a a drone. Or yeah, a dog. drone would have would have no doubt. Well, a dog, yeah, probably would have no doubt found that deer too. But but the problem with the um, dog would have been, I'm not problem because I'm pro dog, like for sure. But well, that dog would have probably came in that night. Yes. Whereas if a drone, it. yeah, if a drone came in that night, we would have been able to see that the deer's still alive, and then yep. waited till the next morning and had a really good location of where that deer is at. Yep. Um, without bumping them, you know doing that so there's a lot of there's so many benefits because like i'm thinking of tony like my buddy tony if i was like hey man i hit this deer quartering two, i put it right there 15 yards like full penetration this is what my arrow looks like i don't have to ask him this but i think he would be like oh yeah we gotta track that deer you know give it maybe two to four hours and go mm-hmm. look for him you know and like that's just what you would do like that's such a crazy circumstance to have like no blood like that and end up sneaking an arrow through there and like you're talking those fj4s like they're a decent size single bevel too like they're not tiny like you have a good cutting surface so i mean just the rotation was just right or something it was just weird but yeah you jump that deer and then it's a rodeo in the middle of the night you know oh yeah so so what do you think about like i know it's been kind of a hot topic this fall about thermal drones like what's your take on that so the state of Michigan, you know, as as the law is written, um, they specify that you should exhaust every effort to try and recover your animal. But yet they go and <laughs> say, I, I think it's kind of BS if you ask me. But <laughs> they go mm-hmm. and say that that you you can't use a thermal drone. You can you can pinpoint the deer, but you can't go recover it. You know, it's so yeah, it's so now weird. now what what sense does that make? I th- you know, I think th- there are some some negatives to to drones possibly you know just you know for the perpetrators that that use them illegally just like any other perpetrator that 
uses does anything illegal hunting mm-hmm. you know shooting deer at night whatever you want to call it poaching um but i think there's definitely more good than bad i think there, there's too much evidence out there from other states that that leads to you know anything bad if you're using drones to recover a deer I yeah, think, I think it's. I, I don't think a drone's better than a dog, and I don't think a dog's better than a drone. I think it's just another no. thing to use, maybe in collaboration. It's just a, a different tool, but there's no yep. reason you shouldn't be able to use it. That's yeah, that's, that's where I stand. Like I, that's the thing. Like so, like you know, then you have the okay. So like we both use cell cams. Like we both have been like proponents for those. You know, I don't. I don't get them right away when they first came out, but I've been using them for a few years. Um, we've we've talked like off air. You know, just like how we feel about it. It's like okay, yeah, like cell cams do help they're nice you don't have to go to your property you know paired with a um, solar panel you know you don't have to go check them all the time it's really good it like you can see from a distance you know all those good things for a cell camera like you just talked about how you didn't get a picture of a deer until you know october 15th and then where you got the picture where you're gonna set up on this deer i think you said like 500 yards mm-hmm. you know was the so like did that camera help you get a shot on that deer yes but like you still had to there's so much from point of picture to bow pulled back and taking a shot off like it assisted but i don't think that it assisted any more than having a release on your bow like that's kind of like right. the thing you got to like break down now if it's like all right i got a I got a 10 acre food plot that's the best food in the in the area and i got 10 cell cameras on it and I have a loaded gun in my garage and it's right out back. And I can be like, I ain't going there until my camera goes off. And it's like, oh, there they are. And I got this nice little trail I can sneak by and poke my head up over a tree and boom, shoot a deer. Yeah, that's a little weird. But like for me and you, like that's not kind of like that's not the hunt we're looking for. You know, like that's no. not the hunt. So and I, I think kinda... a majority of hunters have the same opinion. Yes. Um, you know, at least any of the guys that we talk to or, you know, any of the guys you've had on your podcast, we all have the same, you know vision of hunting and you know we don't want to steer away from that by any means but yeah. we're trying to do things to help us recover animals and help us help yes. us kill deer well, that's why the drone not- thing i was just going to say that the drone thing's a little different than that because like yeah i'm making like i can choose to use my recurve to make hunting harder on myself i can choose to not ever use a garmin site like not saying that i'm going to do that but like right now a garmin site's not intriguing to me because it's like well i don't know it's like kind of easy like boop tells me the range and shoot like i kind of like the process of okay if i'm gonna take a far shot i gotta be able to pull the range finder out i gotta be able to range the mm-hmm. deer i gotta be able to adjust my sight i gotta so lots gotta go right for me to make that far shot because you know it's gotta be the right circumstance so, like to me personally i'm like you know i'm not really ready for the garmin now i could get a garmin both site and be like you know i'm not shooting anything over whatever this yardage is like i could still i could still self-govern myself like i don't just because mm-hmm. you got a garmin says i mean oh yeah 80 yards or 70 yards i'm just launching arrows it still comes down to personal responsibility but i can make myself harder by like using recurve or using my bow during gun season blah 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 you know do all these things but like i'm i made the choice to shoot this deer like i want to recover this deer why can't i use a thermal drone to go find a deer that I legally have a tag for and you want to be able right. to tag. Like that's the part that is like hard for me to grasp my head around, you know, in that regard, you can use a dog to go find your deer. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, granted guys, I know that the, there's probably licensing and like permits and all this stuff they're trying to work out, but it's like, dude, we just, I just want people to enjoy the success of their harvest, you know, like correct. You killed this deer, go find it. Like nothing's worse. Like, Thankfully, you got a picture of the buck you hit, you know, later, so you can kind of like 
reaffirm that the deer right. still alive. And but, but you know, not for a month. There. So you you sit and, and wonder yeah. for a month for a month what you know if this deer's dead. Like, should I go look for him again? It's like it's just out of respect to the animal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's all a lot of people. You know, that's all any of us want it for is just for respect of the animal and actually being able to recover an animal that's just not just going to waste. How am I how am I hurting wildlife or disrespecting my deer that could possibly be dead by flying a drone? Who knows how high up and yep. looking for them? Like, I'm, what what damage am I doing? Now I understand if you're there's a bunch of negatives from like using them, abusing them, you know. But like thermal scopes been out for a long time. Like you tell me, guys mm-hmm. aren't you know using thermal to smoke deer at night with a su- suppressor? Like I mean, if you want to do right. the wrong thing, you're gonna do the wrong thing. Guess what? They're still going to use a drone to do a wrong thing if it's legal or not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're, yeah. they're probably guys that are doing it. They're going to yeah. do it no matter what. So, yeah, right. that's how I feel. We're on the same page, which I figured we would be. But Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's plenty of things we could talk about for regulation change and stuff like that. Oh, but gosh. That's a whole other topic for you know, mm-hmm. a whole other podcast, you know. I'm sure this summer, that's... the heat of the summer when we're getting stuff to talk about, that might come up. But Yeah. But all right, I man. Hope. Well, I think uh, that kind of wrapped up your season. I mean, you sh- you end up shooting a deer with your bow second week of December, right? I mean, that's yep. that's that's is that the latest you ever shot a, a buck with your bow? With my bow, yes. Uh, yeah, a buck. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think, so I don't think uh, I've a, ever a couple, shot one. Quite a few firsts this year. So yeah, first was, buck out of state in public. It's a good year. Late season <laughs> like that with a bow. Yeah, I mean, I've shot stuff with muzzleloader. Or my, you know. I've shot does my bow, but I'm trying to think if I've shot, I you know, other than muzzleloader, I don't think I've ever shot a buck, you know, that late with my bow mm-hmm. in Michigan. Once, once, uh, once gun season rolls around, yeah, I don't think I've ever done that. So I mean, that's, yep. I mean, there's been years like I know recent, like last year, there was a few like those borderline bucks that were getting real regular in the late season. I was like, oh man, like I could, I could probably be in the chips on those things, but it didn't work yep. out. So I mean. That's pretty cool. I mean, you you played that food to bed pattern really well, and even in the big woods area with no ag around, you found what they liked and yeah, mm-hmm. capitalized on it. That's sweet. Yep. Just so. taking notes every year, you know, scouting every year and putting yep. it all together. That's seems to work. So. Yes, sir. Well, if you uh, you got anything else you want to talk about, otherwise we can we can kind of sign this thing off and. No, oh, yeah, I'm good. Bed. It's about bedtime, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we got to work tomorrow, so a couple no, couple old guys like us. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting we're getting up there, you know, every year. But no, uh, thanks, Drew. Appreciate the time. Yeah, Thank you, everyone who's listening me. to this. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed the story. I mean, like I said, I have some of the stories I haven't heard, so I like uh, we saved some of it for this, and I learned a few things. And uh, just going over our Illinois thing again, too. I mean, I'm I just the brain's still ticking. And anyone else who had a year, you know, maybe didn't quite go as well as you wanted to, or you maybe you had a really successful year, but you you know can still don't be afraid to tweak things like. Drew's been very adamant that like he's got this property he's hunted for quite a few years with his family, but every year they're like, you keep saying like, you're getting more and more like confident with it. You're tweaking this and just never really settling for like the same old, same old. I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty, pretty uh, important detail for anyone that I know that shoots like really nice deer consistently or does that they're, they don't settle. Like they're always trying new things and getting better and, it's just a fun life that way. So thanks for listening to the episode, guys. Appreciate it. And go outside, enjoy uh, enjoy creation. All you can really do right now is scout and do some small game hunting. So, And we're counting on the days to shed hunting. So looking forward to it. But thanks, guys.